Welcome to Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. A podcast for actors, by actors, about acting. And here's the host, Christina Kipper Halstead. Hi, and welcome to Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. I'm your host, Christina, and on this podcast, I feature interviews with actors, writers, directors, and everyone involved in the performing arts from stage to screen, including those artists like myself who live outside of New York and L.A., where the rules of the business can sometimes be a little different. I cover getting started, not giving up, and advice for actors in all parts of the country who are trying to live their artistic dreams. Please join our community by liking us on Facebook, by leaving a comment on my website, livingthedreamacting.com, and by following me on Twitter at Artist Dreams. That's at Artist underscore Dreams. In this episode, we head to New York City to interview our top-of-show voiceover artist, Matt Knight. Please stick around for that while we do a little catching up. Since the last episode, I was feeling like I had nothing new to share, that nothing was going on. And I realized that it wasn't that nothing was going on. There were a ton of things going on. There just wasn't anything exciting in the area of performance or opportunities presenting itself to me as an artist. But uh, definitely a lot of changes in my life since the last episode. I moved uh, two hours north of where I was living. And I'm back in the beautiful Red Rock country of northern Arizona and uh, changed my lifestyle, uh, moved in with family, uh, started a new school for my son, brand new day job that uh, was taking all of that was taking a lot of my energy to get settled. And it's actually only been three months since I've been here and it has been an intense intense three months. But I hadn't been posting for a while and I hadn't uh, gotten this episode out and I had it in the can. It was just a matter of taking care of putting it together. But I realized, you know, there were the holidays, this big move, um, you know, like I said, working hard at my new day job. And uh, I was working on scoring some interviews for the podcast getting in shape. I've been uh, slimming down really and working really hard that way and really happy with my progress. And then I did get to do a couple fun things as an artist that I wasn't counting, but I should count. Uh, one was I got to choreograph a couple of songs for my son's school play where they had a couple musical numbers. And he just did his first play last week on Friday night. And it was so fabulous. And yes, I was a little, you know, teary eyed and excited. And actually, um, some of the choreography was a little bit humorous. And the other parents in the audience really responded well. So I felt as an artist, I felt uh, like I had accomplished something good that way, too. I had pleased the audience. And that's what it's all about. And um, I also attended a workshop at the Sedona International Film Festival called Actors and Directors, which was fantastic. And I'll tell you about that in the next episode, because I'm hoping to bring an interview with one of the filmmakers at the festival to the podcast. Uh, So I will keep you updated on that. 
And so let's talk about our next guest. You actually may have heard Matt Knight on television or the radio, and you just didn't even know it. Take a listen. Trust the Midas Touch for brakes, tires, oil, everything. Words getting out. Jared's training for the ING New York City Marathon with a favorite, the Low Fat Subway Club. To celebrate, it's now the newest $5 footlong sub. Smirnoff Premium Malt Mixed Drinks. It's like having a bartender in your fridge. Come along for a royal adventure in King of the Railway, the movie. The Earl arrives with a big surprise. And new friends, too. King of the Railway, the movie. Come in today and get a Wendy's new double stack value combo. Only $3.99 every day. To the flirts. The tastemakers, photo takers, freestyle innovators, the seamsters, the movers, and the shakers. Thank you. And now let's get to the interview. I first met Matt Knight in 1998 when I went back to school to finish my degree after a five-year hiatus. We both grew up in the Rochester, New York area, which is the original stomping grounds for actors such as the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, as well as Tay Diggs and Kristen Wiig of Saturday Night Live. Like many of us, his first taste of performing started out in school, where he was a part of the band, the choir, and in eighth grade, thanks to the encouragement of a friend, he auditioned for his first musical. But up until then, Matt was already a budding filmmaker. I really like making uh, like little movies with uh, my friends. We had a, uh, I had to look this up because it was, it was just so awesome as a kid to have. It was called a Fisher-Price PXL 2000. It was a little black and white camera um, that took like cassette tapes in it and it recorded video. I mean, it was very pixelated. It wasn't great quality at all, but like we could create our own little movies and, uh, I guess it was cheap enough that my parents didn't have to like stay right over my shoulder and make sure I didn't break it. Um, cause as you know, back then, you know, if you had a video camera, you didn't, you didn't get to mess around with it. Like it was, it was usually on a tripod or like you, you weren't allowed to, to do exciting things with video cameras back then. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed acting. I, I enjoyed watching movies, and I enjoyed um, you know making these little films. But I had never done anything on the stage before until eighth grade, and um, so I auditioned and ended up having a really great experience. I got to, you know, I get got to take in the whole process for the first time: the, the read through, the rehearsals, the blocking, choreography, the costume fittings, uh, the set, and the props. Uh, tech week and then finally having everything you know come together in a I, I believe it was only a weekend at that point of live performances and the energy that you got to feed off of with the crowd and everything and uh i think from there i was hooked did it just i mean did it just click for you like i want to do more of this yes yeah i mean well because i connected with the people i i connected with the process um i saw that i might be able to do well in it and you know um, we're all looking for something to, to kind of, to, to, uh, to fit in with, you know, like to, to showcase our talents and some people that's sports and some people that's, uh, academics. Um, and it, you know, in this particular situation, I felt like I, you know, there are things I could offer to this and, it, you know, I might be able to, uh, to not only um, showcase my talents, but it seemed like it would be a whole lot of fun. So I continued on with it. And we actually did a, 
usually a straight play and a musical. Um, so, uh, play in the fall, uh, musical in the spring, um, in my high school. And then they also had some ex- extracurricular, uh, band and choir, uh, groups that you could be a part of. There was a jazz choir. There was a show choir. There was an all male, uh, glee club. Um, there was, uh, uh, jazz band. So, um, I, you know, I was involved with those too. So I, I really had a lot of great experiences. The interest continued to grow as I got older. Um, or as I progressed through high school and the interest of actually maybe pursuing something in college started to, uh, you know, plant its roots in my head. Actually, it was, um, uh, around my junior year, I believe in high school, my father, um, had mentioned that a coworker who was a friend of his, um, had a son who was going to Niagara, uh, for theater. His name is Derek Rowland. That was actually the first time that I really thought, oh, maybe I should, you know, maybe of the colleges that I'm picking out, maybe I should apply for a college and, uh, you know, and maybe pursue acting. Um, and so I, uh, I ended up in my list of, I, I think I only applied to six or seven colleges, but one of them was Niagara. And, uh, and I believe there was only one other uh, college that I had applied for that um, had an acting program that I was uh, going to consider. So, um, but Niagara had a, had made a really good impression on me. I went there to visit before they had auditions um, for the uh, scholarships and I met brother Augustine and um, he really, he was a, he, he was a good salesman. Um, he, he made a good pitch and, um, so when I came back, um, I did the auditions and within a few weeks I was contacted and they actually offered me a theater scholarship, um, and Niagara university itself. It also offered me an academic scholarship. So, um, I went for it. Uh, something I didn't mention, maybe I did, uh, before is that, uh, there were some really talented people ahead of me that, um, opened my eyes to, you know, the idea that I can get better at this. And, uh, that, you know, I remember one, uh, gentleman in particular, his name, Steve Rosen, enormously talented, um, even in high school ended up going to NYU. And that was another time that I believe I was thinking, well, well, maybe, you know, this is something that I could pursue. And, uh, Steve and I actually still stay in touch and he, um, was in the uh, original, uh, company of, or he was in the original cast of Spamalot. Um, he's been a working actor, um, since he graduated. He is enormously talented. He just, uh, wrote, I believe wrote the score for, um, a musical called The Other Josh Cohen, which was at the Paper Mill Playhouse recently. And just an all-around great guy and super supportive and every time, every time I see him, just a, you know, great energy and everything. So he was a, he was a great influence to have there, um, uh, at my, uh, my high school. But yeah, it started out as, as this thing that was just a lot of fun to do. And it kind of progressed into this thing like, well, I don't want it to stop. And, you know, obviously, you know, I can only go so far in high school with this stuff. Um, you know, what next? And I knew that I wanted to go to college. I knew that I wanted to get a degree. Um, it was either going to be, uh, you know, I, when I, once I narrowed it down, it was either going to be a business degree or I was going to pursue acting. So I ended up pursuing, uh, acting and, um, 
Um, I think the reason that I picked Niagara was that it seemed like there were going to be a lot of opportunities for me to be involved, not only on the stage, but off the stage and kind of, and that was one of the, the sales pitch, um, points that I really liked from brother Augustine. He said that, you know, we're, uh, we're a close knit group and we all work together. And if you're not working on the stage, you're going to be working off the stage in every production. So I was going to be involved regardless. And I like the idea of that. I, and, uh, I did enjoy all of my time, um, off the stage as I did on the stage, um, working as, uh, you know, stage manager, um, Actually, eventually we, uh, I, along with another student, Dave Rogi, um, helped transition, um, the way that we designed, uh, uh, the sound for the shows, like the sound effects and the, uh, uh, original scores and everything. We, we had been doing it on a mini disc player, um, which was a long, arduous process. If, I don't know if you remember ever editing on that mini disc, but it was, it was like torture. I think I, we were, I was editing on, uh, reel to reel originally. <laughs> oh gosh. So, that's even worse. So I started a little several years earlier. By the time I had got there, they, uh, they were using the mini disc, but the mini disc was just a really slow process. And, um, we ended up being the first ones to start editing on the, the computer. Um, we, we got one of the first versions of SoundForge. And we were using that. It took forever to buffer, but it was really neat because we were able to zoom in and really cut down the sounds exactly how we wanted them and put the effects on that we wanted. And so that, you know, that along with the curriculum at Niagara and the rehearsals and everything, I, I'm amazed that I had any free time to party and have fun with everybody, but I enjoyed doing it. So, it, you know, that was, that's a cool thing. You know, not many people can say that they got their, you know, butt kicked in college for four years and don't really necessarily remember ever being miserable about it. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And, and we could probably spend a lot of time just talking about what the experience at Niagara is like. But what was that transition like? So, you know, if we jump to senior year in college, did, were you just as focused about a plan for after? And what you want to do and where you want to go. Yeah, I was where much more focused on that. And I think, um, I had put a lot of thought into what the next move was. Um, I uh, starting as early as maybe even my sophomore year. I was always, I was in, it was in the back of my mind, you know, what's, what's your next step after this? Where do you want to go? And I knew that in my heart of hearts, really the only two choices for me was New York or LA. That was going to give me the most opportunity. Um, and I was, I, I think I was pretty set on New York City, um, by my senior year. I think, I don't think I was even considering LA, um, by, yeah, by that time. So yeah, the plan was that I was going to try to do summer stock, um, at art park for the, the summer after my senior year. And then immediately after I would move down to the city. And that's what I did. I actually, I remember I had one weekend free the whole summer and I went down there with a friend of mine, Damien Venor, and, uh, we looked at apartments for, you know, a day and a half straight and we ended up picking one. 
probably in the worst spot we could have picked, but we <laughs> didn't know any better. Um, so we got a place out in Bensonhurst, um, Brooklyn, but, um, but we got our place and we moved down there. Um, yeah, about a week after our last show at art park. Um, and that was, uh, that was tough because it was like leaving my family all over again. And, uh, if you know anything about me, um, you know, one thing that's immensely important to me is family. And, uh, you know, I always try to spend as much time as I can with them. Um, I remember when I first moved out from, uh, from home, at, you know, after high school, I think I was eager to get out and be by myself, but, um, you know, the, the realization that you're never really going to move back home kind of set in and that kind of, um, that was a downer and, um, and then having to do it again, um, after four years of, of becoming a part of this new family at Niagara, that was really tough too. And, uh, you know, a lot of my friends weren't coming down, uh, they were going different places, uh, or they were staying put in, uh, Buffalo. So that just, just the, uh, you know, the emotional and, uh, um, the emotional support and the, uh, the friendships and everything like that, breaking away from that was tough in and of itself. But, um, it took me a while to just transition to living in a big city. Um, I'd never really done that before. And it was, uh, you know, uh, it was quite a transition from going, uh, you know, living in Ni Niagara or, Ni excuse me, living in downtown Niagara Falls to, uh, living in, uh, Brooklyn was a bit of, uh, you know, it took a little time for me to, um, really start to get myself active and working and, uh, you know, cause everything had kind of been planned out for me at Niagara, but then all of a sudden, you know, I, I was in charge of my scheduling and, um, so it just, it took me a little bit to get my footing and, and also just appreciate some of the great qualities of living, uh, here in the city. Um, but I think it was, uh, I think it was like four or five months in, um, I was starting to really like it, really enjoy it. Um, and, uh, I think that's when I had my first sit down with, uh, um, the voiceover, excuse me, the commercial agency, um, that I actually am represented with now. And not a lot of people know this. I, I actually didn't, they weren't interested. <laughs> they weren't interested, uh, after our first conversation. And it wasn't because they didn't like the quality of my voice. It was the fact that I really didn't know. I was, I was too green to the process. They wanted me to, uh, to take some one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions and learn a little bit about it before. Cause, uh, um, there's some subtle changes that you need to make, um, reading for voiceovers as opposed to, um, you know, auditioning for a play or, uh, for a musical. So they wanted me to, to go check that out. And it was actually, it took me a few more months, um, before I could get back in with them and, uh, and be considered, uh, for them to sign me. And, um, in the meantime, I was working, I think I, I made a promise myself I'd never work as a waiter. And I think it was because I knew that there was a lot of, at the time, um, at, you know, at my age and just getting out of school, it was decent money. 
Um, but it could distract. I, and I had seen it distract people from focusing on trying to get acting gigs and, and other things. And, and, uh, you know, they started to get comfortable with that income and, the you know, so they were working more and, and doing less for their uh, career. So I, I actually worked in a lot of different places in the city. I was a valet. Um, I was a commercial mover, a friend of mine, uh, uh, his father was a foreman at a moving company. So, um, but yeah, I, I was a commercial mover. I was, uh, I worked with an event planning company. I worked at a, a healthcare, uh, company doing data entry. Uh, I worked with children at an after school program and, uh, also at a children, children's enrichment center. Um, so I worked a lot of side gigs, but, um, thankfully all of those gigs never really had a draw to make me want to stay and, uh, be too involved with it, but were enough to keep me afloat. I was able to, uh, do some, uh, one-on-one voiceover coaching sessions and, uh, the lady, my coach was very to the point. She didn't really, you know, try to draw it out or anything like that. She said I needed to work on my breathing because I was apparently trying to read through every spot without uh, taking a breath. Um, and also she, uh, she told me to work on my projection because I was projecting like I was, uh, reading for, uh, you know, a line in a play and, uh, the microphone's a lot more intimate and, uh, we don't really need to do too much in order to, uh, um, to, to get our point across with our reads. So it's got much more subtle. How did you know to pursue um, that specifically? I mean, I, I remember, obviously, we knew each other when you were a freshman in college. And even at 18, it was obvious that you had this great voice. But, I mean, were you also aware of it at the t- and you knew you were going to try to utilize that? Or did or um, how did how did that happen? How did you decide to pursue that particular path? Well, it was interesting because it happened the the voice the dropping of the voice um, happened late because I was a late I was a late bloomer. So the pitch drop didn't happen until I believe like almost my midway through my junior year in high school. So I was still kind of adjusting to I you know I before that I was a tenor I sang tenor uh one <laughs> so it was it was quite a transition and it also it just at that point um it was funny because I my choir director actually wouldn't move me to bass I actually moved myself one day cuz I just couldn't hit the notes anymore so I was still kind of figuring out that this was how my voice was going to be and it you know it kept getting lower and lower so I didn't really know that this could possibly be a you know something that you know voiceovers and and uh this type of career is something that I could even pursue until I got to uh college and then it started to be mentioned to me at you know at first it was oh you have a you have a deep uh you know deep voice you have a you know a voice that that might be able to 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 do well in voiceovers and then I met some people, uh, Army Schultz, um, who is an alum from Niagara and, uh, who is, um, is just an incredibly gifted and also generous, um, human being. And I remember he did a, uh, uh, seminar at Niagara and that was probably one of the 
probably it was that workshop that he did was probably the most important workshop from anybody outside of the department that I experienced. He did a, uh, um, you know, a commercial, uh, workshop class and, and I loved it. And also, you know, he got to, to talking about, you know, the, the potential, um, benefits of working in that, um, that career line, especially voiceovers is that, you know, it, there's some decent money in it that, uh, there's a lot of different, um, different things you can do inside of it. It's not just, uh, you know, reading for the, the traditional commercial, you know, there's books on tape, there's uh narration, there's, um, movie trailers, there's promo, there's imaging. So there was a lot of different paths that you could follow within that. And then I met another voiceover artist who was also a Naira alum, um, uh, Tony Sperry. And he worked uh, as a voiceover artist for, I believe, um, like most of his career in New York. And, uh, he had some positive things to say about it. And, and so I, I got some good vibes from, um, from these people who had worked in the business. And so that gave me that planted the seed. And, uh, that was definitely my main focus when I came down. Um, I, I actually, I wanted to continue acting on the stage, but I really did, uh, want to pursue this voiceover thing. And, um, see what it was all about and see where it would take me. So you eventually were able to get back in the office and they signed you. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was really lucky too. Um, uh, army had initially got me the appointment for that initial interview. And I spoke with the the head of the uh, voiceover department at the time. Her name was Sharon Beirut. And she told me, she gave me the name of the, uh, the vocal coach that I might want to talk to. And, you know, I, I got far quickly because of Army's help. But, um, when I submitted again, apparently they didn't know, um, apparently it had been long enough that they didn't remember that I had, uh, you know, had come in and met before with them. So I got on, I got in really, uh, with my demo reel that I had made. And, uh, I just happened to, to get in at the perfect time too, because, uh, uh, you know, just a few years later, um, it was much more difficult, uh, to get signed anywhere, um, let alone, uh, a really good, uh, agency, um, uh, that I was lucky enough to sign with. And, uh, yeah. And so I signed with them, um, early 2004, I believe. So it had been, uh, a little over a year of being in the city. Um, but I signed with them and, I was auditioning every day and that was kind of a, a new experience for me. The, I was very comfortable going in and reading a monologue or reading sides from a play, but reading voiceovers is, is a different, a different animal. I mean, it's, it's easier in some ways because you get to hold the script in front of you and read, but, uh, tend to have somebody to work off of and you usually get one or maybe two takes. Um, and at the time I was new to the business. I didn't know any of the casting directors yet. So really had one shot, um, getting in there unless they had the time and they could give me some notes. So it took me a while to get used to the, um, the quick nature of those auditions and how you really had to be efficient and uh, confident in what you were doing every time you went in. So 
I, I, I tell everybody because, you know, I thought, oh, I'm signed with an agency. This is great. Um, you know, I'm just going to go into these auditions and, you know, book a couple and, and, uh, oh, I was so naive. Um, it was, it was a year later when I booked my first job. So I went out for a solid year of auditioning almost every single day and I did not book a job for a year. That's not to say that other people can't book something that, you know, the day after they get signed. But for me, it took a while. So, um, uh, that was a little discouraging. Um, and that's, that's something I always touch on when I talk about just being a performer, or, you know, working in entertainment uh, industry is that you have to have really thick skin, um, and be able to pick yourself up and dust yourself off, um, because you're going to deal a lot with a lot of rejection, not really vindictive or mean spirited rejection, but you're going to deal with a lot of people, uh, passing on you and, uh, you know, going with somebody else and, uh, you have to keep yourself motivated. You have to keep yourself positive. Um, you don't want to get into a negative place. And, uh, you can obviously, you can, uh, imagine that it was a bit discouraging, um, to wait a whole year to book your first job. Um, in fact, I remember, um, I wasn't, I wasn't in a bad place at the audition, but the first job that I actually booked, I remember I auditioned for it. And then when I walked out of the office and I was walking on the street, I was thinking to myself, man, you know, this is that, that was rough. You know, that I don't know if that audition went well. I, uh, you know, cause th you know, they're, they're quick and everything. And maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And lo and behold, I get a phone call like two hours later and they said, I booked the job. So that was, uh, I, I was very thankful that, uh, on that particular day, um, um, I was able to, uh, land my first voiceover gig. Well, what did, I mean, how, how did you keep yourself positive? And because a year is a long time. I mean, how did you not have thoughts of giving up sooner than, than that day? Well, I mean, some of it is my belief that you have to start from the bottom. Um, and work your way up and, you know, there's no free passes, um, at least in my mind. Uh, and, or I, I have an appreciation for people who are successful, who have worked hard and worked from the bottom. So I kind of went into it thinking, all right, it's going to take me a while. It's going to take me a while to break into this. It's going to take me a while to get good at this. So how can I improve every single time? And I think that was, a motivating factor in the first year is how can I get better? How can I go in there and really, you know, make the, this casting director happy and, uh, you know, give him exactly what he's, or he or she is, uh, is hoping for or wants to hear. So that was a good motivating factor early on, um, in my career. And also, I mean, I just, just the idea of going in and, and auditioning for these things was, in my mind, so cool and awesome. You know, I'm, I'm going in and I'm reading for a Coke TV spot or, a, you know, a radio commercial. I mean, that was, I was, uh, you know, on cloud nine just doing these auditions. But yeah, I think I also had an expectation going in that it was going to take a while. I think I was thrown figures, you know, something like you're going to maybe book one out of every 50 that you audition for or, 
it, I, maybe the number was even higher. So, I, I mean, I think I went into it with this expectation that it was going to take a while. I don't think I thought it was going to take a year, but I definitely didn't, didn't believe that it was going to happen all right away. And I, and I was ready for that. Well, that's it for episode five and part one of my interview with Matt Knight. I hope you'll come back next time and listen to part two. I was really impressed with Matt's perseverance and tenacity when he was first starting out. His ability to be patient, the fact that he didn't give up, and that he shared those things with us honestly uh, really impressed me. So I hope you were impressed. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you love his voice as much as I do. And again, I hope you'll come back for part two next week. Thank you again for listening. And again, please join us in our community. You can like our page at livingthedreamacting.com, the podcast on Facebook, and follow me on Twitter at Artist Dreams. And check out the website, www.livingthedreamacting.com. I look forward to connecting with you, and I hope you'll come back next time. Enjoy your week. And Matt, take us out. Thank you for listening to Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. Have questions or a story you'd like to share? We'd love to hear from you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit our website at livingthedreamacting.com.